All right, hockey fans, listen up because we've got something special cooked up for playoff season. It's called the Daily Faceoff Playoff Parlay Challenge, and it's going to add some serious spice to your playoff experience. Now, here's the deal every playoff game, you're going to be faced with a handful of questions. It's like your own personal playoff puzzle, and it's free to join. And there are prizes because who doesn't love winning stuff? Daily winners, you're getting hooked up with gift cards. Treat yourself to some nation gear or maybe even your favorite jersey. And for the big dogs, the people who can win an entire round, it's straight, cold, hard cash. We're talking about real dough for your hockey knowledge. So lace up those skates, stretch those thumbs, and get ready to show off your hockey IQ in the daily face-off playoff parlay challenge. Sign up today and play every game day at games.dailyfaceoff.com and prove your puck prowess. This is a Web Canopy Studio production. Good afternoon, everybody, or good evening, or good morning, wherever you may be listening from. I got people who listen in Australia. We have people who listen in Africa. We have people who listen in Antarctica. Did you know that, Sam? I did not know Antarctica. We're nation global. We're global, which is cool. But anyways, wherever you're listening from, welcome to another exciting thrilling episode of dropping the gloves with tim wersberger hello sam forgot again monty monty and john scott i hope you guys are doing well sam how's the shoulder my shoulder's fine i don't know tim, how's your shoulder I'm, I'm literally staring at tim <laughs> saying sam how's your shoulder how's the shoulder tim it's actually a little better oh. so yeah it's a good sign it means it's probably i can avoid surgery with some good uh, pt which i start next week is the comeback in your in your future in your sights, it could be if you're going to skate with me. I made my decision that I'm not going back to those games unless you come with me. I was ready to play this week, and I even texted you. I said, "Are you ready to play?" And you said, "I can't because I don't want to play. My shoulder's still sore." So I missed out on the games this week. But anyways, that's besides the point. Everybody's doing well. I'm doing well. Back in town, was in Kitchener for a hockey hopes the homeless event. That was fun. Hi to everybody who was there. It was a great event. Always likes always love to help the homeless people. It's good. Most of the money goes right to uh, homeless people, helping them out. Were you the biggest player there? Tallest, yes. Yeah. <laughs> I was. Far, Not the, the biggest player. in size. George LaRock was there, and he's a oh, massive, massive mountain of a man. Yeah. Yeah. What's he like? Like, What's his personality off the ice? Um, really just happy-go-lucky, normal guy, which would shock you because he just looks like this freight train on the ice. He's so scary. Assassin. No, nice guy. Super uh, – he has a little bit of an ego to him, but – you know, that's expected. Every every hockey player, I think, has a little ego to him. I do. Yeah, I was going to say. Li- I like to talk about me. You know what I mean? Not a bad thing. But, no, great guy. Good events. Um, like doing those events. So, I'm doing one in Halifax in a couple weeks. So, check it out. Anyways, other than that event, I was just watching TSN well in Canada, which I'm apt to do because I don't get much hockey coverage here in the States. And what comes across the ticker? Tyson Berry mired in a career-long slump, hasn't scored a point in 10 games, doesn't know where he fits in, bumped from the first power play unit, struggling in the defensive zone, making poor choices at his own blue line and the offensive zone blue line. A detriment to the team, not an asset, not very glowing remarks from coach Mike Babcock. 
comments, Tim? I wish people could see the smile and grin <laughs> on your face right now because you love this, don't you? It's fantastic. Yeah. I think it's great. I, I'm. It's nothing personal against Tyson Berry. This is something between me and Tim. It no, is, it's not. It's you and Tyson Berry. Never met the kid. Played against him many times. Great hockey player. Yes, he is. I agree. I believe, and I've said it before, the Leafs messed up. Jake Gardner is not lighting the world on fire by any means, but he is playing better hockey right now than Tyson Berry is. I think Berry doesn't know where he fits in with this team, and I'm guessing he's not getting any love from that cyborg of a coach, Mike Babcock, because he is just doing things that he is not usually apt to do. He's pinching when he shouldn't pinch. He's staying in the offensive zone when nothing's there. He's making passes that aren't there. He's just trying to create things that he just doesn't usually do. And you watch a lot of those Leafs games, right? Well, I have been in Canada quite a bit. And so, yes, I have watched quite a bit of the Leafs games. I think I've caught four of their last ten games, which is good for me. Okay, okay. Yeah. So, yeah. Yes, I have actually, Tim. I don't think so. Nice try. <laughs> but the, the other piece of that is who they traded him for, right? Yeah. Kadri, five goals so far this year. Kadri's been playing well. He's a lot better than Kerfoot. You know what else, too, is um, came out today that Rantanen got hurt the other night, and then last night or today, Landeskog is going to miss a couple weeks. So Kadri might be playing on the first line with McKinnon. I should have made a bet with you about that. Too bad. We probably did. I don't know. We made a lot of bets. I don't remember them all. I know. I, we're just bet machines in here. By the way, I haven't made breakfast in like two weeks. I keep waiting for you to come you in and bring me some waffles. haven't made breakfast? Yeah. Well, make keep, it. Maybe this is the day that John comes into the office and brings me some waffles. Oh, you want to know a funny story? So I took my girls out for breakfast yesterday morning. And it was my two older ones, Ava and Gabriella. And one of my twins was kind of sick. She had a little stomach thing the night before. She Sophia. was more than kind of sick. But it was the next morning, so she was feeling a little better. My wife didn't want her to take her to her uh, mother's group, so I took her with me. And in the morning, we have this routine where we go to church, and then we do some chore, uh, errands, and then we'll go to breakfast. And so we get all that done. She's feeling good. I'm like, is everyone up for breakfast? She's like, I'm good. Let's go. Go to the restaurant. We sit down. I give her an orange juice. She chugs it. Get The food comes. Everyone's eating. Everyone's great. And all of a sudden... She's beside me. She's kind of tucked in, so she can't get out of the... We're in a booth. She goes, I don't feel good. I'm going to puke. I'm like, oh, no. And we can't go anywhere. The washroom's a long way from us. I grab, like, three or four napkins, force it against her face. Just an orange juice fountain of barf comes out of her mouth, and I'm just, like, cupping it in my hands. I funneled it onto the plate, which was a full, <laughs> fresh food plate. Oh, she no. She hadn't even had a bite. I covered it up with napkins. Wiped my hands off with the wet wipes that we luckily had for the kids. No one even knew. No one was wiser. I just went went along with my business, finished my breakfast, gave an extra hefty tip. I was gonna say you better tip well on that. It was a, there was no need for cleanup. I, I it was all on the plate. It was unbelievable hand eye by me. <laughs> yeah. Like I, I was so impressed that I had a handful of just vomit. Boom, directed it right on the plate. Covered it up with napkins. You couldn't even see it. It was well, beautiful. I'm glad you're impressed with yourself. Yeah. I was I was blown away. And Sophia Trooper, I'm like, how are you feeling? She's like, I'm good. I'm just not hungry anymore. I'm like, perfect. Let's finish up the rest of us, and we'll get out of here. It was great. I finished up my omelet, my pancakes, and we went on our way. It was good. Life was good. Anyways, that was my Monday morning. That was yesterday morning. 
That's yeah. just skills you can't learn unless you're a father. Just it is just, yes, it <laughs> really is. And I was sorry. It could have gone way south. Just put it that way. If she, if my hands would have pushed too tight against her face and it created kind of a backdraft scenario. Yeah. And poof, out the sides and all over. Perfect amount of pressure. I gave her enough give. And I gave a little more give as the, you know, the substance came out. And I directed it onto the plate. Should have been in front of the net in the power play. Oh, my word. My just my hand-eye. Got some soft hands. My angles, my directions. I was on the power play with the Sabres one time. The goalie was slashing me. I can't remember who we played. The goalie slashed me three or four times. I turned around and belted him right in the face. I was like, <laughs> that, enough of this. Is there a video of that somewhere? I don't know. I got a penalty. I was like, enough of this, Jazz. I'm done. I was actually going to ask you that. Dude, how many power play shifts did you get in your career? I got an assist on a power play with the Sabres as well. There you go. We were really bad that year. Yeah, I've never seen a video of that penalty, but yeah, I was got two minutes for punch to the face for the goalie. So you just playing yourself in front of the net? Right in front of the net, and I was just getting tomahawked. You remember how Hextall and Brodeur used to do that? Yeah. I can't even remember the goalie. It might have even been preseason. But yeah, that, that was one of the few games I had on power play. Usually about- I get on power play when the team is losing or someone's in the doghouse and they throw me out there. To send a message. I'll take it, yeah. Look at, we're putting John out there. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, okay, so another thing that caught my eye with the Leafs, the big hit on Matthews. Yeah. And and the lack of response from the Leafs. From the Leafs and from the league. No, 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 no. That was not a penalty. That was not a suspension. That was a perfectly fine hit. There was nothing wrong with that hit. It was a good step up. He stood him up right at the blue line, if not a couple steps inside the blue line. Nothing wrong with that hit. Okay. There is something wrong with the Leafs' reaction. Or lack of. Lack right? thereof. That that just shows you a lot with that team. They don't have each other's back. What would you expect? What would, what would be a justifiable response to that? You go after that guy, but who do they have that can even go after them? It doesn't matter. Yeah. At somebody. that point, your superstar gets stood up, borderline hit on the Leafs, in the Leafs' minds. You got to go and at least get in his face, push him. I know it's Brendan Dillon. He's not a small guy, but like just trash talk him a little bit, slash him. It kind of fits your not theory, but you like what you've been preaching about. Like if guys like you were on that team, they they'd think twice about making that. Oh, hit. Dylan, there's no way he would step up. Yeah, I could call Dilly right now, and he would admit there's no way I would step up <laughs> and make that hit on Matthews because I would just beat his doors off. Yeah, yeah. There's no way he would do that. But Toronto, no one, no one even says anything. It's it it, it it's embarrassing. It's embarrassing for the Leafs. Did any Leafs fan reach out and say, John, we need you on the team now? Yes. I would never play for the Leafs. No. Sorry. Never, not, ever. Not with Babcock there? Not with Babcock. No. And then just the media in Toronto. I think I would either A, be public enemy number one, or B, just turn into a rock star and my head would just get too big and I just would self-implode. If your head gets any bigger, we'd all be in big trouble. Big trouble. My, it, my wife would hate it. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So I have to keep myself in check. Which is good. That's where you come in, Tim. That's where I my try wife to. comes in. I check you. It's gonna rein in the melon size of myself. It's hard to do. <laughs> I keep opening up my hat sizes every week. I got one button left. Then we're on to <laughs> biggie size hats. I don't know where else I'm gonna go from here. But anyway, so yeah, the Leafs are done. Their season's over. I think that was a little microcosm of things to come. Barry Dude. is completely mentally finished. I don't know if he's gonna recover from this this year. Matthews knows. No one has his back on the team. Okay, hold on. Leafs are done. They might not even make the playoffs. It's October, though. Yeah. Let's not overreact. Thanksgiving is vastly approaching. Okay, but it's not even Thanksgiving yet. Canadian Thanksgiving, it was. 
Yeah, I don't know if I'm going to stick the fork in the leaves this early on. Just the talent on that team alone is going to – yeah, they'll make the playoffs. Yeah. How can you say they wouldn't? I mean – They'll make it. They'll lose in the first round. Yeah, well, that's Boston. for sure. Yeah, I'm fine yeah. with that. Boston, see, yeah, they're doing. They're playing great. Did you see Bettman's comment the other day? Someone, someone challenged him on the playoff format. And I think it works pretty well, unless you're a Leafs fan. He said that. Yeah, I kind of like that. Yeah, he's honest. Yeah. He's honest. That yeah. division is too stacked. It really is. I know, but you can't you can't change the, the division around every time the teams are playing well. You change the playoff format. Yeah, you go the way it used to be, top eight. It was perfect. Yeah, I guess that's. They wanted to change it just so more teams made it into the playoffs from different divisions. but And they wanted to get more viewers in the early round. But what you run into is the two best teams in the league or two of the top five teams playing each other in the first it's round. It's happened every year. Yeah. It's happened out west. It happened. It happens more prominently out east just because in that one division, there's some strong, strong teams. Yep. So. Right now, Toronto is 6-5-2. They have the second wild card spot. So <laughs> even by thread. But think about that. Even even with their, all their underperformance and their issues, they're still in a playoff spot. And they can only do better, right? You, you can't th- picture them doing worse than this, and they still have a winning record. They're getting Travis Dermott back. That'll yeah. be a big help. When they get Tavares back, that'll be a big help. But I just don't see that type of teamwork and gelling, you know what I mean, that I see in other teams. A lot of egos. A lot of mouths to feed on that team. A lot of hungry, hungry hippos who want their points. A lot of great players, just the sum of the parts, aren't making a great team, though. A lot of – there's – I think Tavares is a great teammate. I don't think he cares about his points. I think the young kids care about getting their cookies. And you can't win championships when that happens. Yeah, I played with a guy one time who – we won. We were in Dallas. We just won 5-1. to one. We come into the locker room. He is throwing a hissy fit because he didn't get a point. He was throwing. He was like just literally screaming, and I'm like, "What are you doing, man? We just which, won which team was this? Not even going to say because it'll be too. It'll be too obvious. <laughs> <laughs> it'll okay. be too obvious if I say the team. Okay. But yeah, it's just you can't win with guys like that. It's very hard to unless you have a great core around him who kind of reins them in. But yeah, I think Toronto. And mind you, I'm not in that locker room. I don't know many people in that locker room, but I just don't like where this is headed. The sniff test kind of smells smells fishy. Yeah, I'm going to tell you, like, the other young superstars in the league, too. Like, McKinnon's beating Matthews in points. Eichel's beating Matthews in points. McDavid, obviously, beating Matthews in points. They got some figuring out to do. And all those teams are playing better, too. They are. Toronto. What are you going to do? And it's that team forever. You're not changing up that core. You, you're all in for the next three, four, five years. See the other big news that dropped today? Roman Yossi with the contract extension. What did he get? Was it five years and nine per? Eight years. Eight years at nine per. Wow. Do the math. 72 million. Is that right? Yeah. <laughs> What's up? Did, did you play against him at all? I did. Thoughts? Good player. Yeah. Unbelievable. Is he worth nine schmill a year for eight years? That's a big term. I, I always have a lot of issues with those long, long contracts. How old is he? How old is Josie? He He's is what, 29. 29. So that puts him to 30, 37 years old. I'm 37 years old right now. That's insane. Yeah. Good contract for him. I, it's, it's one of those deals where you, you have to do it. You don't want to let him hit the open market. Right. He's going to be terrible when he's 34, 35, 36, 37. Just look at Shea Weber. Great oh. comparison right there. Yeah. Well, no. Dif- different type of game. Yeah. Different type of player. Excuse me. Shea Weber's a physical, big, booming shot. 
Yoshi's a puck mover. He's he, I think he his game lends itself to lasting longer than Shea Weber's does. But, I hope so. Yeah, good deal. Nine nine million. Man, they make a lot of money. That's insane. That's a lot of coin. Good for him. I think the Predators will regret it though in in the years to come. Teams almost always do. Yeah. There's not a lot of guys that can live up to a contract for that long. We need to, we should write this down. I would like to go back and look at every the five big, biggest contracts given out in every year and see how they've aged and go back like 10 years. We need some interns. I need something. Something <laughs> to kind of Yeah, but that would be interesting to go 10 years prior to this and see yeah. okay, what were the five biggest contracts? Let's see, you know, Sam, that'd be a good little project for you. <laughs> write that down. Write that down. What I'm writing movie, it down right now. What movie is that from? Write that down. Any movie. <laughs> <laughs> Any movie <laughs> where anybody's down. written oh, something down. Oh, man, I can't remember. Anyways, okay. Another big, big story. Donald Bashir. Yeah. Very, very sobering story. No pun intended. Tim, take it. Tim sent me this article this week, and I, I, I was completely oblivious to this. So, Tim... Give us the backstory here. Well, the twi- this uh, photo surfaced on Twitter. Someone at a uh, Tim Hortons in Quebec City in Canada saw him working the drive through window. He's literally Donald Bashir, the NHL player, is working for who knows how much minimum wage in Tim Hortons. Um, and people were kind of having a laugh at it, like, look at this guy. And then most of Twitter and hockey Twitter and even other celebrities kind of came to his defense like, Okay, this is not a news story. This is a guy earning an honorable wage, doing a regular job like anyone else. Um, there's really nothing to laugh at here. But it kind of opens up his whole story of he's been through a lot since he left the league. He's had a really a tough life from, from his childhood. You know, abusive uh, parents, um, racism. He was kind of like, sort of like you in a lot of ways, underdog. Was never supposed to make the NHL. Was never supposed to be the player that he was. Ended up playing a thousand games, two hundred points. Um, but he wasn't just a fighter. He could play. And now he's just got some post. He's got some struggles going on. He had a drug addiction. I think he had a business that went bankrupt. And obviously things are hurting financially because he's working at Tim Hortons. Um, did you play against him at all? Never played against him. Not that I know of. Yeah. But I, I think I would remember if I played against a guy like that because he was arguably one of the toughest guys, top top ten for a decade. At yeah. Least. Yep. So. Man, that article, it was, yeah, some online article, but what a crazy life. Like, insane. And you can't help but feel for the guy. Pull up um, Cap Geeks or how much he made in his career. I will. I would hazard a guess if he played for, what, 12 years, that he he must have made north of $20 million, I would think. And it's just insane to me that he blew it all. He earned $15 million, which would be $20 million in today's dollars. Yeah, that's so, yeah, insane. Spot on. That's uh, it's super sad. It is. And who knows where his head's at in all this with the whole concussion game? But I'm telling you what, it's all about who you surround yourself with. I don't know what is obviously his family life is just in total shambles. The way he grew up and not a lot there. And when you're in a bad spot, man, it's just heavy, heavy stuff. It was cool to see people sort of come to his aid. I mean, George LaRock even took a shift at Tim Hortons for one afternoon just kind of in solidarity. Like, you know, there's nothing wrong with earning a living like that. That's um, a publicity stunt for LaRock. I don't really care for that. You that's think just, so? That's just him being like, I'm going to jump on the coattails a little bit. I don't think I would do that. If you really wanted to help him out, behind the scenes, you can get a hold of him and say, hey, what can I do to help you? Yeah. Not just get a shift at Tim Hortons. 
whatever. He tweeted the picture of it too. I did or he yeah, did? Larock, yeah. I would never do that. Yeah, it's a publicity thing for him. Yeah. Like I said earlier, Larock loves a little bit of Larock. I love the guy, but I, I would not hesitate to tell him that's a publicity stunt. Let's get him on the show sometime too. Get into a, a verbal argument, not a fist fight, because I feel like he could beat <laughs> me off the ice for sure, handily. Still got the hands. He is just as well. I bet you he weighs three hundred and twenty pounds. You never fought him either. No, no way. I I think I did play against him though. No, he's a he's a big dude, man. Did you actively avoid fighting him? No, 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 no. But I can't. I don't even know if I played against him. I've never really actively avoided fighting anybody. Yeah. The only guy I really said no to it happened twice. One was Jody Shelley, and one was Steve McIntyre. Jody Shelley, we were up by three. In San Jose, he was playing for Philly, I believe, and I was we were face off in the offensive zone, and he's like, "Let's go." I said, "No." We won the face off. Burnsy fired a shot off my foot. They went down and scored, and I was like, "I'll never say no to a fight again." <laughs> and then the next one came. It was in that preseason when I was in San Jose, Anaheim. It was just almost like a Ogie Ogle, Oglethorpe type of thing. Steve McIntyre mysteriously showed up on their roster, plays the preseason game. He'd been retired for a year and a half. And I'm like, Mac, what are you doing here? Because we were, we were buddies. We trained together in Boston with the goon man himself, um, Doug Smith. And he's like, I don't know. They just called me up. And first shift, he's like, John, do you want to go? I was like, no, I don't. Sorry. <laughs> and that was the end of it. You could have cost him his job there. Maybe that's what he's supposed to do. I'm not fighting that guy. No way. Not, not in preseason. Yeah. First, first shift, first period. I don't think so. Maybe if he did something. So yeah, no thanks. So those are the only two fights I've ever turned down. That I can remember. So, so you, you said this last week, how you said Erickson, big guy, would refuse to fight. Was there anybody else that was like a big guy that just you were like surprised that they were like, no, no, I'm good. Scared of you? Well, yeah. Like it, guys turn down fights for a plethora of reasons. And I, everyone's like, you didn't fight much in the league. You only got like five, six, seven fights a year. I would ask. A lot of guys, Brian McGrath and I asked quite a bit, and he would always say no. That kind of surprised me. And quite a bit, I probably asked him three or four times, and he said no. Patrick Bordalo, I asked a bunch, and he said no. Um, Chris Neal, I would ask, and not that he's in my weight class, but I would ask him all the time, and I played against him a bunch when I was in Buffalo. Um, I don't know. I know more at the top of my head. Me and you know who I always regretted? I, I wish I would have fought. I thought Luke Gastic. I think he was a really good fighter, and me and him never really – tangled and he was a he was a, i liked the way that guy fought were there certain players that you knew like certain fighters that you knew that were scared of you that you were kind of proud of like yeah this guy beats everyone else up but he won't touch me because he knows he'd get well bordolo is uh, and mcgratton it's funny those guys yeah. were in heavy heavyweights and they yeah. used to fight each other all the time and anytime i played against them they would just be picking up quarters <laughs> yeah. they'd just be looking at their feet and just never really go eye to eye with me and i would just always want I'm like why are you scared of me i don't understand it like because they would fight everybody else yeah and it's not like i'm out there knocking guys out i'm just like i'm this murderer i'm not not at all yeah but they were they would be so i don't know that kind of that kind of made me feel a little better it I was a total relief because it's not like i was dying to fight them <laughs> but it was my job and i felt like you know i asked them and they just always say no i remember i buried mcgratton one time we were playing in buffalo and i buried him and he stood up, and I was like, all right, it's time. And he just kind of turned around and skated away. I was like, oh, weird. Right in front of my bench. Do, do the coaches get on you or even GM like, hey, you haven't fought in like two weeks or something. Like, let's get something going tonight. No, never. No. Never, never. I've never talked to a GM or a coach 
during the season about fighting. Before the season, I always have the conversation, whether it's them initiating it or me. I would always, if it, if they didn't, I would always kind of seek them out and say, hey, listen, this is what I think. This is how I work. This is what's going to happen, basically. And that happened a little bit later in my career when I was a little more established. I said, I know what I'm, you know, what I can do. I know I, I'm very aware of the situation. I'll pick my spots appropriately. I'm not going to put you in a bad spot. Just you need to be aware of when I need to be on the ice. And I'll give you a heads up of when I want to go on the ice to take care of business. Would you notice like a, maybe you you drop them the next couple of games, you're getting a few more pl- minutes of playing time or something? Or, no, no. Or you, you're scratched because you haven't fought in a while and you no. think that's the reason why? If I would be, that has happened where I had fought and I got scratched the next day and I was annoyed. Yeah. Because it's like I did my job and you still scratch me. But I lost that kind of ego pretty quickly because I, I realized it wasn't it wasn't in my control but mm, it is what it is you know the coaches I, I don't think I was ever unfairly coached I think the coaches just either you like me or you don't and that's the thing some coaches didn't really like the tough guys and they didn't play me as much as I thought they should have and other coaches like Teddy Nolan and Joe Quinville played me a ton because they love that style of game so it is what it is but yeah Donald Brashear hope he does well man do you think that his story kind of fits in with the other enforcers who are struggling after retiring, or did this feel like something different completely? It's it's a trend. It's a scary, scary trend that happens, and I don't know the root cause of it. Is it the head injuries? Is it that just lifestyle? You know, you, you live hard at the rink. You really have a tough lifestyle, and you have to kind of do things off the ice to take your mind off of it. I don't know. But it just sounds like he's been troubled since he was – a kid and this is just a you know the reason for it so this is just a continuation of his childhood which is super sad in those situations you just need that support system to kind of help you out and to straighten you out a little bit but it's not, it looks like he's at least kind of on the on the right path now yeah you know? I, and i can draw some correlations to my past like being a veteran I, i've had a few friends that have gone down that path because TBI and what does TBI mean? Sorry, the traumatic brain injuries. Okay, and they they don't know how to cope outside of some medical or illegal substance way, and they can go down a bad path real quick. And it's a very slippery slope. Slope once somebody starts on that, it's it can go south real fast. Yeah, especially in the if you're in that negative cycle and you have no one there to be like, hey, come on, come on, come on, come on. That's not you. Then you're just it just like exponentially gets worse and worse and worse you're like okay i'll have like five or six seven eight beers tonight and i need something else i need something else i need something else next thing you know you're broke this and that and especially if you're a millionaire people take advantage of you i'm sure brash had tons of people just suckling on his teeth for a long time just milking him and just stealing his money basically but anyways i used to work at tim hortons good company love it he's in the window though did you notice that yeah interesting He's a big man to be in that little spot. <laughs> he is. Yeah. I, I wonder if they just did that for the pitcher. And how humbled does he have to be? He smiled for that. He, he smiled, yeah. yeah. To be even uh, – it's just very humbling for him to just even say yes to that interview. Because, I don't know, myself, I would not want anybody to know the situation I was in. It would just be so embarrassing to like, oh, yeah, I played in the NHL for 10, 15 years – I blew it all. I have all these problems, but now I'm trying to work my way back. It would just be embarrassing, but how humbling and what a good learning lesson for everyone. Like, it's just don't, yeah, don't be bigger than yourself. Yeah, 
yeah, that that was a very touching. I don't know. I thought about it that way. Like, what a what a moment to be able to just to get that interview and to be like happy about it for him. It's just crazy. I tried to get his information. I wanted to reach out to him. I, I can't get him. I'm, I'm still working on it. I'd love to try to help him out. I would never blast it on Twitter or anything, but <laughs> yeah. just to help him out, you know, because the fighters kind of have our little fraternity where we kind of look after each other. You guys all in a group chat together? <sighs> no. No. That would not. be funny. But no, I do actively talk to former tough guys like Peros. I talk to not quite a bit anymore, but we used to talk. Me and Colt Nor talk. You know, Chris Neal, we chat. You me, know. me and Cam Jansen texting all the time. Yeah, Cam. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure. Does he let you get a word in? Yeah. Probably not. Man, that guy loves to talk. All right. Anyways, the Heritage Classic. The what? <laughs> Zero. Clue. Here's a question. Does the Heritage Classic even exist if no one hears about it or watches it? I, I've seen pictures, so it happened. So it did happen. But I thought, Allegedly. Was it Allegedly. a rerun? <laughs> pictures can be Photoshopped. Winnipeg. Versus Calgary, played at a neutral site in Regina, Saskatchewan, at the Rough Riders Stadium. You think this would be a huge chance for the NHL to branch out into another market? You know it, it is going to be a huge, huge success in Canada because it's one of the two. Well, Calgary's on fire right now. Winnipeg, everyone loves to watch because they're just such. They have stories wrapped up on stories wrapped up on stories with that team. Yep. Not I. I honestly had no idea the game was even being played. No one did. It's bizarre. I, I followed the NHL on every avenue to follow them. I had no clue until I saw something about somebody getting suspended after the game. No mention on their social media that I that I noticed. Until the game started. Yeah. It was crazy. No promotions, no commercials on the games leading up to the Heritage Classic. Do you think the NHL believes that the outdoor game market has been saturated and they were just trying to distance themselves from it a little bit? But why even have it at that point? Because they signed those contracts years in advance. It's not like something where you sign the year up and say, okay, do an outdoor game. They, they have those already intact years in advance. Maybe. It was so bizarre. I, I played in my men's league on Sunday night, and the guys in the room, they were talking about it, and they were like, we thought it was a rerun of an outdoor game. Until they noticed the players, and they were like, wait a minute, this is live. This is so weird. And it was a good game. Yeah. It was yeah. a shame. I mean, the, and even hockey pundits, like big-time hockey guys were coming out like, hey, I had no idea this was going on. And you tweeted that out. You got a couple hundred responses. Like, no one knew. They found out because they were watching, you know, Bruins game or Rangers game, and it was announced on the, in that game, like, oh, turn the channel for this. And they were like, what? Heritage Classic tonight? It's just sometimes the league is so great with things, and they do such a good job. I see commercials sometimes during the Stanley Cup playoffs. I'm like, whoa, that was awesome, unbelievable. Like, what a marketing pitch. Like, that's great. Like, it blows the other leagues out of the water. Yes. The speechless one? It's so good. It's so great where it's like it gives you chills. Yeah. And then they just completely drop the ball with something like this. And you just are left scratching your head like, what is – like? How does this happen? It just It's just bizarre to me. The league should, I don't know, they should be kicking themselves. This is so, it was such a great chance. This whole thing is so in character for them. You know, yeah. it's like they can't get out of their own way. When they have a little bit, a little bit of momentum and something great's happening and they just they completely bungle it the way they did. Well, they did weekend. it with, did you know I was in an All-Star game? You were. Yeah, 2016. I got voted into the All-Star game. I thought that's like mostly for skill players. It was. But I had this magical voting thing that happened. The fans voted me in. The league could have rallied around it, 
and really made it into this great event and just had a super fun weekend. Instead, they just tried to bury me in the minors and just really ruined it. And it just they shot themselves. The same thing with this outdoor game. Maybe not to the same magnitude, but they just, they really just, I don't know who's running that ship with the marketing team, but call me up. I, I have so many ideas. It's amazing. It, it, but anyways, yeah. <laughs> I just thought that was ironic, that the whole world had no idea this game was happening. Right. And then it happened. So I guess a game does exist if no one watches it. And you are available for a marketing director position. For a certain price. Obviously. I'm a very busy, busy man. Yes. I, I do this podcast once a week. <laughs> yeah. So we need to work around that schedule. And the rest of the time, I research. I research for the podcast. So that's what I do. Tim? That is all you do. <sighs> Zach Smith. Our, our poor little buddy. My guy. He's not, he's not doing well. He's not. Again, only 10 games into the season. Never, never a good sign when you're being healthy scratched. Ten games into the season, no. I I I was so hopeful for him, but it's just it's just not it's not working out. On paper, you were right. Like in that interview, it seemed like a great fit. They needed a little bit of toughness, maybe get him a chance on top six minutes, see how he performs with Kane or Taze or Debrinket. Um, you know, fresh pace, fresh change of scenery, and just pointless in six games. Now he's a healthy scratch. He's averaging about ten minutes a game. He's negative, whatever. It's just he's contributing nothing to her team. I have not watched many of the Hawks games, so I don't know if he's been getting good opportunities, but we need to, I need to talk to him. Does he need to change his scenery? As the game passed him by, what's, what is it? I don't know what it is, but poor guy. Zach, we're sorry. It's, it's a bad look. It is. It's just sad. He'll get his chance. I mean, he'll, No, he won't. You think he's done for the year? I think this will be – he'll have a tough time getting another contract after this year. Sure. He couldn't cut it in Ottawa, which is says a lot. And I mean, was, what do you mean couldn't cut it, though? He played 10 years there. He had a, well, a I mean, solid like career. Recently, so. yeah. Well, I hope he does. Good player, great guy. Still young enough. He's, he's like 31. Set, but that's yeah. not young in hockey years. Look no. at you. You're 29. You're falling apart. <laughs> that's true. <laughs> so. <laughs> what else, Tim? Anything else? Uh, the other big news was Tarasenko getting shoulder surgery. So he's going to be out at least five months. They're going to be reevaluated there. Huge blow for the Blues, obviously. Not good for the game when one of the young superstars is is hurt like that. How old is he? Okay, I say young. He's probably late 20s. I, don't I, know. I wouldn't label him as a superstar, though. I really wouldn't. To the mainstream media. Yeah. I don't think many people outside of St. Louis would know him. But he's probably like the number one offensive weapon on the team that just won the Stanley Cup. I mean, that's... Yeah, no, it's a big hit to the Blues. They're going to feel that <laughs> for sure. But I, I don't think it's a superstar to, to hit to the league. No. Yeah, St. Louis, that'll be, that'll be one where it'll be tough to replace him. Yeah. Hopefully it's not the, the full year. I don't care. He won his cup, that guy. He's such a good player. Yeah. Like, one of the... Talk about underrated. No one ever... T- he never wins any major awards. He never gets nominated for any awards. He is so good. He's had some big years. And his, he is so good, so strong. Man, I used to hate playing against St. Louis sometimes. When they would get that forecheck going and they had Bacchus and Tarasenko and Sabotka and Sheen and that little rat, Perron, and they would just come at you in waves and waves and waves and waves. You could never get out of their zone. They had B.J. Crombie and Ryan Reeves. They were so hard to play against when that, when that place was rocking. I love Sabaka too. Me too. He's such a he good player. He buried me one time. I went to hit him at center ice, and he just reverse hit me, 
And I, I, it was one of those ones where I went flying back and my stick perfectly smacked on the ice so it made this big, loud noise. <laughs> yeah. Oh, it was, was it, so Was it in St. Louis? In St. Louis. Oh. It was just very embarrassing. That, only two people have reverse hit me that bad. One was him. The other was Malkin. But with oh, Malkin, yeah. at least after that hit, I regained myself, and then I went and buried him in the corner. So I was like, okay, I redeemed myself. Sabaka just laid me out. And he's like 5'8", too. 5'8", but he's man, small. is he strong. He came up with the Bruins, and I loved watching him. There's one shift I remember when Kovalchuk was in his prime, and he was like a rookie trying to make the team, and he was just absolutely working Kovalchuk in the corner. I'm like, this guy's this guy's a gamer. He's a good player. Yeah. He's with Buffalo now. I like that pickup. Yeah, yeah, he's I good. I think he's lost a few steps, but yeah, he's a good, good player. Good player. Talk about underrated, Saboka. Another one, right? But not at the same no. level as uh, Tarasenko. No. Not even close. I was looking at Tarasenko's goals the last few years. 33, 33, 39, 40, 35. Like, he is a legit superstar. Yeah. Never even recognized for any kind of individual awards. It's crazy. Yeah. And he, what is he? What is his plus minus? Did you already get rid of it? I did. Because I guarantee you he's not minus. He's so good in defensive zone. He's a good player. He's responsible. Probably a great guy off the ice. I would imagine. Not selfish. Doesn't care about his points. That's just how I that's, – that's what I gather for him. But anyways, anything else? I got some news. Uh-oh. My alma mater. Michigan Tech. Yeah. What about him? Big win this weekend. Who'd they play? I don't follow college hockey that much, but I'm starting to get into Tech. I really am. We should go up for a game. We should. Winter Carnival. Well, listen, let's just not get ahead of ourselves. They just trounced Bowling Green. Killed him. Number 17 team in the country. In hockey? In hockey. Of course in hockey. You think I'm following Michigan Tech volleyball? <laughs> or Michigan Tech football? I don't even think you're following hockey. What? No, I get updated all the time. I'm, I'm actually still – I like Michigan Tech. I go up there quite a bit. I dropped the puck there a couple of years back with my kids. So I – I like keeping in touch with my roots. Tim. You tweet at him once in a while. Wish him good luck. Once in a while. You know, but my guy, it's actually one of the kids, Tommy Peratino. Got a hat trick. No big deal. But I'm telling you what, keep your eye on tech. I'm telling you. I might do a college hockey hour or maybe like a five-minute segment. <laughs> yeah. Maybe in an hour. I would love to hear some, some of your tech stories, though. That would actually be nice. That would be a good episode. It w- we, I like that. Did anyone else from your team go on to play any kind of pro hockey? Yeah, I played with Chris Connor. He played pro for 10 years. He was I played against him many times in the NHL, in the so show, that was yeah. always cool to uh, play against him. But, no, it's, it's funny. When I played, we weren't that good. And I, I don't know if it was our class that started the transition, but they got a really good coach a few years after I left Mel Pearson from Michigan. And then he just turned the whole – team around and now they have another good coach there uh joe schwan 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 anyway so they've been good they like have made it to the final four they've been good the last few years so it's funny because obviously you've had the most successful career out of whatever the last 20 years probably yeah um but like at the time where were you on the depth chart there i was um my first year i was i I would say five six seven d-man and then my second year i was four five Three, four, five, D man. I would say my third and fourth junior senior year, I was one, two, D man. Obviously not on the power play, but still, yeah. I would log twenty minutes a game. But we didn't have a great team, right? But it was fun when I played there because we would play against the powerhouse teams in the in the in the country, the Colorados, the North Dakotas, the Minnesotas, the Wisconsin. So I would get to play against Taser, 
Did I you? play against uh, Robbie Earl. I played against Zach Parisi. I played against all these guys. Minnesota had Ballard and Martin and all these like really really heavy hitters. Thomas Vanek and you played BC and BU at all? No, they were they were not in our class. We yeah. were way better than they were. They were terrible. Sure. When I well, played, a team from my division won the national championship every year. That's just Boston hockey is just not that good. No, and they're soft. They get injured all the time. Yeah. You touch them and they go down. Can't even play Traverse City I League. No, and we had a lot of kids from Boston who wanted to play for Tech. They didn't. They didn't cut it. Not interested. We would take local kids from Houghton, Michigan, and Hancock over a kid from Boston who was the leading scorer from his prep team in Boston. And we had a kid who was from the Gremlins in Hancock, and he got I think three goals, and he was way better than that kid from Boston. It's just it just says a lot about Michigan hockey versus um, Massachusetts hockey. What's wrong with your face, Tim? Nothing. <laughs> this, this is just how I look. You look like so you cut face. a mean fart and it smells bad, <laughs> or someone did. He's not happy. Do you actually remember playing against a lot of those guys? Taze, I do. Taze and Parise. Like, did you know they were special then, or were they kind of just a good no, player you, on a college were, team? I I still I. My first week playing college hockey, we played against North Dakota. Or no, did we? I can't remember who we played. But I scored my first weekend. And Zach Parisi scored like a hat trick. And on the front page of the college hockey website, it's U-S-C-H-O. It had a picture of Parisi and a picture of me. And it said, freshman players making their mark. And I was like, whoa! Nice. Because I knew who Zach Parisi was. Yeah. He was that big of a deal coming in his freshman year. Right. Where everyone was like, this guy should have went and played juniors. He's a surefire first-round pick. Like, he is gone after one year. Yeah. And then it was me and him. And then his career obviously took off. He went and played NHL right after that. And I stuck around for three, three and a half more years. But anyways, yeah, you knew the top guys. And you could tell during the game who was good and who was going to take that next step. Did you and Taze ever talk about playing each other in college? Oh, all the time, yeah. Really? Yeah. He's like, you were such a hard guy to get around because you could do the can opener back in the day. I would just stick my stick between his legs and yeah. spin him and bury him. <laughs> but no, it was fun. College hockey was a blast. Yeah, I miss it. It's a good old day. Yeah, yeah, me too. Yeah, I miss, I miss it. it. <laughs> <laughs> such a character. Tim Worsberger, everybody. And Sam Monty. Nailed it. Nailed it. But anyways... Congrats, Tech beating the 17th-ranked team in the country. Let's get them on their rank now. Not bad. They're going to be ranked by the end of the year? Well, that's the thing. It's strange that they're not ranked because they're usually always ranked. The last five years, they're consistently in the top 10. So, who knows? They, they struggled a little bit in the, early year, in the early season. I think they're coming up on their fourth or fifth weekend. I don't know. We'll see how it goes. I'll keep you posted, Tim. Do it. Anyways, everybody, anything else? Anything from you, Sam? Uh, Northern Michigan's ranked number 20. I do not want to talk about Northern Michigan. Talk about rivalries. I cannot stand Northern Michigan. Even people to this day who tell me they're a wildcat, I don't even give them the time of day. <laughs> I do not like Northern Michigan. I have had the most vulgar things said to me at a Northern Michigan game. Really? Terrible, <laughs> terrible things that I would not even say to my worst enemy coming from the Northern Michigan Wildcats from Marquette, Michigan. So, yes, don't even mention that name. <laughs> don't even want to hear it. So, yes. Any, anything from you, Tim? Anything that's not going to incite my anger? <laughs> Nothing that won't incite your anger. Yeah, that's hard to do. I get fired up quite often. <laughs> All right, everybody. Thank you for listening, and we'll see you next week. Cheers, everybody.